Amen. Amen. In just a second, we're going to have the opportunity to open God's Word together. And here's what I realized about your life and my life. We've gone through this week, and there's probably some things that have happened that you didn't want to happen. There's some craziness and chaos that has transpired in your life. We're going to read God's Word together, and then I'm going to say a prayer for us. This is what it says in uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He then said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were even terrified to ask each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Father, we pray today that as we open and unpack your word, that you would speak to us in ways that we could never imagine. That your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. That we would be forever changed because your word doesn't return void. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, high five somebody around you as you sit down. Tell them good morning. All right. Well, it is so great to be with you this morning. Great to be back today. My name is Pastor Nick Newman. Again, it is a privilege to be here this morning. Last weekend, I had the opportunity to teach at Nikeo Church in Charlotte, and you were left in incredible hands. We had four of uh, the ladies who lead here at Propel Church deliver God's Word to us. Can you just help me thank them for preaching last weekend? It was incredible. God used them in a powerful way. In fact, last Sunday, four people gave their lives to Jesus, and that's something to celebrate. Excited for all that God has done over this summer series. Really, during the summer, we uh, have standalone weekends. And, and so uh, if you're here, you're not missing anything. If you're not here, you can tune in online and, and catch back up. I, I'm excited for you if you are a first-time guest with us today because we consider it an honor that you would choose to give us part of your Sunday. So thank you for that, church. Can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? And so maybe you haven't been around Propel Church for very long, but here's what we say at Propel. There's four things that we want you to do. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. I'm going to say those again, but you're going to say them with me. You ready? Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. I think if you and I do those four things, then we are actually going to experience the abundant life that Jesus has promised for you and I. Jesus made this invitation that you and I would experience greater things, that we would experience abundant life. And when we know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, we get to step into that in our walk with Christ. But oftentimes, I think you and I experience some tremendous storms in life. Like, like, it's North Carolina, so it's going to rain at least once a day at some point. 
Like you and I have all been around storms, and storms have varying degrees and different levels. I was talking with a guy uh, on our team, Ryan, the other day, and, and he was sharing with me like a few weeks ago, he got a tornado warning, and he's thinking to himself, this is Mount Pleasant, right? That's not a thing. And so he's sitting in his house, and he gets a tornado warning. He's like, yeah, whatever. So a little while passes, and his kids are starting to get scared. The storm is kind of brewing up a little more. And as they begin to, to notice that the house is kind of moving a little bit, and things are getting a little bit rocky. So he grabs the kids. They go down to the basement. And as he goes to get one of his other children, he picks them up, and he hears this roaring sound outside. They go down in the basement. They come out a little while later when everything has calmed down to notice that, that most of their barn has been ripped up. This giant swing set had been scattered and broken into pieces. Because I think sometimes you and I go through storms and we might not think they're really big, but the damage they leave in the process is extremely significant. And so those are literal storms, but I think you and I have metaphorical storms in our everyday life. If you're taking notes this morning, which I would encourage you to do, um, the first thing you can write down is not an encouraging word. It's just this, that you will experience storms in life. Like, I probably don't have to tell you that this morning. You're, I get it, Right? Come on, we got some honest people in the house. Who's going through a storm? Who's going through some mess? There's plenty of people who are willing to say, hey, man, I'm struggling. I've got some issues. I've got some things going on in my life, and it is problematic. You and I will experience storms in life. When we find these men in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. I'm going to read it to you again. That, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, leaving this crowd behind. They took along uh, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, but a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. When we read those words, nearly swamped, some of you go, that's me. <laughs> That's how I feel. I feel like I'm almost about to drown. I feel like the storms are kind of caving and crashing in on my life. I believe that every single person in here today is either coming out of a storm, in the middle of a storm, or going into a storm. The storms that we have, are no one is ever going to be life-proof enough to be rid of storms. You and I will experience storms. So maybe what do storms look like in your life? Storms look like those rough transitions at work. When you've been working with the same people for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden people up and leave, and, and you don't know what to do. Things are chaotic. Storms look like bad reports that you get from the doctor, news that you didn't expect. Storms look like marital problems where you're on the brink of divorce. Storms look like wayward kids. Storms look like the loss of a loved one. They look like difficult situations and unwanted circumstances. You and I will experience storms. There's no way for us to get around it. There's no way for us to get over it. It's just simply having to navigate in the middle of it when we go through it. I think all of Scripture is written on purpose, intentionally. It's given to us by God. Scripture teaches us that all Scripture is God-breathed. It is written by man through the inspiration of Scripture, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as God writes Scripture, everything he does is completely intentional. So we get to Mark chapter 4, and this storm kind of seems a little bit out of place. 
If you go to the very beginning of Mark chapter 4, you'll see that there is the parable of the sower, which the whole point of that parable is to show that the condition of your heart matters when seed goes forth because the condition of the soil determines what actually takes root in your life. Then he goes on to talk about a lampstand. He says no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, he places it on a stand so that everyone can benefit from the light. God wants to use you in a powerful way because the light of Christ lives within you. Your faith was never intended to be private. It was always intended to be public. Then he goes on to tell about a growing seed because the mark of true health is that things are growing. And then the last thing that he talks about is faith the size of a mustard seed. That you may not feel like anything is possible, but if you can just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can know that with God all things are possible. And then we find this storm. I wonder if God was trying to show you and I that you can actually have your heart in right condition. You can be allowing God to use you. You can be growing and have faith to weather through the storms, but it won't negate you from actually going through some hardships. These disciples had been faithful. They had been following Jesus. It wasn't like they were rebellious and doing all these things. They were faithfully serving God. And then in the middle of this, they were going through a storm. In 2016, I found myself in one of those storms as well. It was about five months after we planted the church. I ended up breaking off a portion of my heel bone, and it disconnected my Achilles. And I'm an overly optimistic person. Right, like anybody in here, like the world can be crashing around. You're like, it's all good. We're fine. That's me. So I'm overly optimistic in this. I'm like, it's not that really, it's not that big of a deal. Like, who needs an Achilles? And so I'm like, (laughs) I'm in a boot, I come out of the boot, and I'm overworking it, and I ended up shredding it even more. And then after that, uh, I had surgery to reconstruct it. And then in the healing process of the first Achilles surgery, I ended up tearing the second one. And so in 2016, I had both of my Achilles reconstructed. I had to learn how to walk all over again. And in the middle of that, here's what I'm thinking. Hey, God, I planted a church for you. I've been faithful. I've been obedient. I've been doing all this stuff. And I I feel like if there's anybody who deserves, it seems a little selfish, but I think if there's anybody who deserves to not go through some hardship right now, it would be your loyal and faithful servant. (laughs) But you know what storms really show us? That we're not the ones in control of this thing. Right, like you can't go outside and tell it to not rain and it not rain. You're not the one that's in control of this. And I think what God doesn't do, I don't think God causes storms, but God will show you how to navigate through every storm you go through in life. Because what God wants to do is not get us out of storms because you can't control what happens to you, but you do get to dictate and determine how you respond to it. So Mark chapter 4, we continue reading. It says that Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? So the waves are crashing to the point where the disciples are freaked out. There's a squall and waves are crashing over the boat. They're panicking. They feel like everything is ruined. We're going to die. So they go down to check on Jesus. I think what they expected was that Jesus was creating his first little prayer closet. Because if you've ever been in a boat when it starts raining, things get real rocky. So he opens the closet and they're going to find Jesus praying. There's a revival service happening in the stern of this boat. And then they're going to make it through just fine. Instead, they find comfy Jesus. 
They walk down to the stern and find Jesus asleep on a cushion as comfy as he can possibly be. Not a care in the world. He's just taking a nap in the middle of all this chaos. How in the world can you sleep in the middle of turbulent and rocky times? Because you know that God is bigger than the storm you're facing. See, what Jesus didn't have to worry about was the, he had the full knowledge of who God was. He knew his mission. He knew his purpose, that he was going to come to this earth and he was going to live for 33 years and he was going to die on a cross. He was going to give you and I the ability through his death and resurrection to have new life. And he knew if God's spirit could raise him from the dead, he can handle some rough waves. So he's not worried at all. He's just sleeping. Next thing I have for you is this, that sleep is trusting God to take care of the storm without you. Here's what I've noticed in my life. I'm just going to speak for me for a second. You're probably nothing like me, but I know that whenever I go through storms, whenever I go through hardships and difficulties, one of the first things that goes is my sleep. So I'll be experiencing some tough stuff, and I'll be thinking my mind races a lot. I've got about 1,500 thoughts going on at one time, and, and my mind's running 100 miles an hour, and I'm having conversations with people in my head that will never actually happen in real life. You know, some of y'all do that, right? Have you ever had an argument with yourself and another person in your head, and you still lost? <laughs> How in the world did that happen? I should, I'm the one creating this narrative. I should be able to win, but... So I'm rehearsing all these circumstances, and I find out that I, I don't have the ability to really sleep in the middle of difficulty. Because really, if it, what it boils down to is that I trust my own ability to take care of it more than I trust God to work on my behalf without me. Wow. See, one of the most biblical things you can do is actually sleep, is actually rest, to take a nap. You and I will go through tremendous struggles, tremendous hardships, But what God wants to show you and I is that he is bigger than the storm you're facing. And God is working on your behalf even when you don't see him at work. Habakkuk is probably one of my favorite chapters or books in the Bible. Habakkuk is a prophet. In Habakkuk chapter 1, he starts out like this. Oh God, how much longer will I cry out without you listening to me? If you've ever felt like God can't handle your frustration, he's a big boy. He's got it. Habakkuk says, I've been crying out, I've been asking you, and you're doing nothing. And God says, stop. Look around and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your day that if I told you, you wouldn't even believe. See, even when we feel like God is silent, it doesn't mean that he's absent. He's been working on your behalf and my behalf. It reminds me of a passage in 2 Kings where the prophet Elijah is there and he has a servant with him and the servant comes to him. They're in the middle of this valley. They're about to go into battle and they are completely surrounded by this opposing force. 2 Kings chapter 6, you can read it later. Uh, The servant comes to him and he's freaking out. He says, we're all going to die. You ever had somebody in your life that just overly panics for stuff? We're all dying. He's freaking out, and Elijah's just sipping a caramel macchiato. He's chilling. He's not, he doesn't have a care in the world. He's just hanging out. And he prays this prayer, God, I pray that you would open his eyes that he might see you. They were in the bottom of this valley, and they were completely surrounded. And the moment that he prayed, God opened his eyes. The man's eyes were opened. And what he saw was that there was an army of the Lord that actually surrounded the army surrounding them. 
When you have the Lord open your eyes, one of the things that you'll see is that God already has your enemy surrounded. That there's no storm, there's no weapon, there's no, nothing that comes against you that God doesn't already have covered. Because God is bigger than the storms you're facing. Do you believe that? Three of you. I'm going to say it again. So here's how this works, right? I'm just going to help you for a second. I'll preach 5,000 times better if when I say something really good, you go, amen. amen. So God is bigger than your storm. Amen. See, if we could just do that a lot more, <laughs> we'd be on good terms. Not that we're not on good terms, but for the sake of the remainder of this message. Because here's the thing. Here's why some of us can't say God is bigger than our storms. It's because deep down we don't believe it. Because when you make a declaration as you sit through a message, what you're saying is amen simply means to let it be. God is bigger than my storm. I agree with that. I want that. I might not currently believe that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to declare things that I might not believe because the more I say it, the more I buy into it. So when I say God is bigger than my storm, I might not be currently feeling that way, but I know the more I declare God is bigger than my storm, the more I'll believe God is bigger than my storm, and I'll be able to continue to trust in his power to get me through it. Amen. You and I will experience storms in life. Sleep is trusting God to take care of the storm without you. Look at Psalm chapter 3, verse 5. It says, I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. Maybe the reason why you're tired in here today is because you're the one that's been trying to sustain yourself. But when you rest in the Lord, when you lie down and sleep, the Lord continuously sustains you. Maybe some of you in here today need to just be encouraged to go home and take a nap. Like I, I know it sounds crazy, but you have complete permission to rest because God is big enough to take care of your storms and your battles without you. Good. He's able. He's capable. I remember talking with a mentor. We were going through a rocky transition uh, in the church, and, and there was just a lot of turmoil in my own heart. And so I was talking with a mentor, and I sat down, and I said, you know, man, i got to be honest with you. I'm not sleeping because you need people you can really be honest with. Right. If you don't have those people, Propel Groups are the perfect spot for you to find some of those people because you need the right kind of friends in your life. But I'm, I'm talking with this mentor, and I'm going, look, I've got to be honest. I'm not sleeping. And he goes, why aren't you sleeping? And I said, well, the truth is I'm just too busy. I've just got too many things going on to sleep right now. And he said, you, you, you saying that, that you're just too busy to sleep is just an excuse for you not to deal with the trust issues you have with God. My toes hurt, Right? <laughs> Because the truth is, what I trusted was my ability to work more than I did for God's ability to come through. And you and I have to learn to rest in the middle of hardships. That's why Jesus looks at these religious Jewish people who have been working and trying to earn their salvation, trying to work for God's favor and approval for so long. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to strive for it. You can simply find rest in me. So today, if you got anything, you have permission to go home and rest. We continue reading in Mark chapter 4, verse 39. 
It says that he got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Three words that Jesus speaks change the whole narrative of this story. Next thing that I have for you is that your words will either lead to calm or chaos. You can look at the beginning of this passage of Scripture and see the words of the disciples. Jesus, everyone's panicking. Jesus, do you even care that we're going to drown? Everyone's freaking out. And your words carry tremendous weight and power. You might not think you have influence. Parents, you know this better than anybody because your kids are like walking parrots. Like, you say something and they repeat it, and you're like, oh, I don't have influence. No, no, you do. Your words carry weight, and in the middle of storms, in the middle of hardships, they will either create calm or they will create chaos. These disciples, it only took one of them to freak out for everybody to start panicking. For everybody to start freaking out. And Jesus steps up. He wakes up from his slumber. And as he steps up, he just says, quiet. That's the Jesus voice. (laughs) Be still. And everything stops. Scripture says that there was complete calm. Your words carry tremendous power and tremendous weight. When you're going through a storm, what you say actually communicates what you believe about God. If you want to know how you're doing, how your heart is, just check what comes out of your mouth when you go through hardships. So uh, being a pastor is fun. I, I love it so much. Um, but there is this one like tension point in there. Whenever people find out what I do, uh, they get really weird. And so I always have to, like, when somebody asks you the question, it's like, hey, what do you do? And, and I'm like, do I lie to you? I know, I know I shouldn't, right? But... But I know you're going to get weird. So we're working in the facility the other week. And, and uh, if you want to know the condition of somebody's heart, like let them hit their thumb with a hammer. <laughs> and so this dude was swinging a hammer and he was working and he hit his thumb and this stuff came out. And then he looked, he said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean none of it. <laughs> or what some of us do is we, we come home to our spouse and we we vomit on them. We call it venting. Really, it's unhealthy. We can talk about that later. And then, and then we, they go, well, man, your attitude is, is terrible. Oh, I've just had a hard day. We give an excuse for the words that we have as if the words we have don't carry any power. We all in this room know that some of the deepest wounds we have were caused by the words of other people. Yeah. Your words carry weight. Look at what James says about words. He's just come out in in verse 4 now of chapter 3. He says, or take ships as an example. The one before this, he uses a a bit inside a horse's mouth. And he says that when there's a bit placed inside a horse's mouth, it determines the direction that the horse goes. He now says, or take a ship as an example. They are so large and they're driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. James says, if you want to understand something about your tongue, you need to know that it carries way more power than we give it credit for. 
You imagine your life as a ship for a moment. What James is saying is your life is a ship, and yeah, it can be blown by the winds of God. You can be moving in purpose. You can be filled with passion. You can have all the potential in the world, but make no mistake, the words that come out of your mouth are going to dictate where you end up. The words that you speak over your circumstances, the words that you declare over the people around you will dictate the direction that you have. And then he says at the very end, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. He says your words can dictate direction and they can cause tremendous damage. What an incredible forest that is set on fire by such a small thing. You and I think our words don't carry power, but we need to know that they will either lead to calm or they will lead to chaos. So when you're in the middle of a storm, I'll give you some examples. When you're in the middle of a storm, you may be here this morning and you're on the brink of divorce. You and your wife have decided it's time to quit. It's time to throw in the towel. The words that you have spoken over your spouse matter. So when you wake up and you say, he'll never change, he'll never do it, he's an idiot, know that your words are only breeding chaos in your marriage. When you wake up and you say, God, I know you've brought me this man, I know you've, you've put us in covenant together, he may not be where he wants to be, but Lord, I pray you would strengthen his relationship with you. I breathe life over our marriage. We declare that what the, what the Lord brought together, no man can separate. We're believing God's best and know that in him our best days are ahead. It changes everything. When you begin to look at your, your son or your daughter who's walked away from Christ because they're stuck in a drug addiction and you just declare over them, well, I guess they're just going to make mistakes again. I guess this addiction is just going to have them. You need to know that your words are not breathing calm. They're breeding chaos in the life of the other individual. And when you speak over them, yeah, I know you might not be where you want to be, but I know that in Christ, all things are possible. I know there is no chain that God can't break. Come on, church, you need to get a little excited for this because I believe that your words carry weight. The words you speak over people, the words you believe about yourself really do make a difference. And you don't have to feel it to declare it. Because what some of us have done for so long is you've spoken lies over yourself for long enough for you to believe them. So you looked and you said, well, I'm never, I'm never going to find somebody who will love me. I'm unlovable. And you spoke that over yourself for long enough that you bought into it. If you would just flip the script and begin to declare God's truth over your life, then the same thing would happen. And you'd speak it till you believed it. Your tongue carries tremendous weight power. Your words either lead to calm or chaos. So Jesus stands up and he speaks and everything settles. There's no more ways. The, the disciples at the end are going, wow, even the wind and the waves obey him. Because I think what you and I need to understand is that our struggle and our storms are no match for our Savior. The things that we're facing, the things that we're going through, the tremendous winds that blow through our lives, that cause damage and cause chaos are no match for the way God can move in our lives. So he says to the disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Come on, these guys had been watching Jesus perform miracle. They fed 5,000 people. They've turned water into wine. They've been journeying with Jesus. And he's like, guys, you, you believe that a storm was what was going to take us out? 
like when you and I think about a storm in the perspective of our entire life, uh, what you and I oftentimes look back on and go, man, I thought that was going to take me out, but it didn't. You ever look back on your life and realize that God has just carried you through the whole way? That there's never been a point where he just decided that you were the anomaly and he was going to give up now? I think sometimes we feel that way. We look at the things we're going through and feel like, well, I guess God's done being faithful. He just decided on me. No. God has always been a faithful God. And so I was looking at this and going, why did Jesus question their faith? And it took me back to Mark 4.35. The very beginning of this, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Mark 4.35. When Jesus is saying this, he's looking at the disciples. And he's saying, Let us go over to the other side. When God speaks something... And he declares something. He is faithful to keep his word. So the last thing that I have for you this morning is this. That if God says you're going over, there's no way you're going under. If God says you're going over, there's no way you're going under. When Jesus looked at the disciples and he started this conversation in the very beginning, he started the invitation for them to get in the boat with him. He says, we are going over to the other side. If I could rewrite the story, which I wouldn't, it would go a little something like this. Hey guys, we're going to go to the other side. You need to know, along the way, you're going to experience some tremendous storms. You're going to go through some hardships. You're going to go through some struggles. But here's what you need to know. I said we were going to make it to the other side. Which means even when the waves begin to crash over the boat, even when things seem really hopeless, you need to know that we're still going to the other side. Because when God says it, he follows through with it. If God says you're going over, there's no way you're going under. Faith is not blindly following God. It's remembering what he already said he was going to do. Because if you read scripture, it says that faith comes by hearing. Oftentimes we take that passage of scripture, it says we walk by faith and not by sight. So we feel like faith is blind. Faith is not blind. Faith is trusting that God is still a God who keeps his promises. Faith is trusting and believing that when God declares something, when God speaks something, that he is faithful to finish it through. It didn't look like the case for Abraham and Sarah who were growing old. And as they were getting older and older, God gave Abraham a promise that you will become a father of many nations. To the point where as Abraham is hearing God say this, Sarah is laughing because she thinks there's no way. But when God says it, he's faithful to carry it through. For Moses, God gives him a promise that he's going to lead the people out of Exodus. He's going to lead them out of Egypt into freedom. And so Moses goes before Pharaoh. And you would think that because God said it, it was going to be easy. But you know what Pharaoh did? Pharaoh looked at him and he said, no. You ever step back and get really confused because you thought God said something, but you ran into a roadblock? I felt the same way when we started uh, pursuing the property over here on 49, the old middle school. 2013, I wrote in a journal that the future home of Propel would be Mount Pleasant Middle School. And I felt it. I dreamed it. I believed it. I walked through every door I could and everything was closing in my face. But I felt like God had given me a promise. 
I, I met with our finance person. I said, look, I know it sounds crazy. I think that's our property. They're not selling it to us. They ain't giving it to us. I don't know what's happening. I think it's our property. We started pursuing other options. Every door was closing. And then all of a sudden we got it. Why? Because when God says it, he follows through. So Moses hit every roadblock, and yet he still came to the place where God led the people out of captivity. The walls of Jericho were coming, crashing down. God said, if you'll march around it seven times, then the walls will come falling down. There was a fortress that was keeping them from their promise. And as they marched around time six, I wonder if they thought, I don't know if it's going to work. But on time seven, as they rounded that last corner, the walls came tumbling down. Because when God says it, he's faithful to carry it out. We see the Gomer, a prostitute in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet, a man of of God and God said, I want you to go and marry this woman. And go, Hosea was like, Are you serious? You gonna give me a woman named Gomer? So he pursues her, he marries her, he he rescues her out of the prostitution game, and they're together for a little while, but then she goes back and she starts prostituting herself again, and God says, Go and love your wife. He finds his wife in the middle of an auction, and what Hosea does is he buys back what was already his possession, because what God does for you and I as his creation is he buys us back through the payment of Jesus what was already his in the first place. It didn't look like it was possible, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus dies for you and I on the cross, and it seems like it's not going to happen. It's not going to be. Day three comes, and everybody's hopeless. The disciples are all looking for new jobs. They're trying to figure out what in the world they're going to do. And now Jesus gets out of the tomb because when God says it, he does it. And I believe wholeheartedly that if you and I would allow God to open our eyes, we would see that in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a crisis, there's nothing for us to fear because we we know that when God says it, he's faithful to carry it through. Psalm 61.3 says, for you have a shelter for me. You are a strong tower from the enemy. So when the enemy comes against me, I declare and decree over my life that I have a strong tower in the arms of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when the enemy comes to tell me that there's no way I can be saved because of my past mistakes, my hurts, my faults, my flaws, and my failures, I remind him that Scripture is so clear and says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved because when God says it, he is faithful to finish it. When I look at my purpose and feel like I have nothing left on this earth, I read the passage of Scripture that says, He who began a good work is faithful to finish what he started. When I look at my marriage and I don't think things are going to make it, I read the verse that says that what God has brought together, no man can separate. When you and I begin to hold on to the promises of God that we find in his word, it will navigate us through every storm we face in life. Because if the disciples had remembered what Jesus had said, they were going to the other side and would have trusted him to carry it out. They would have known that he didn't bring them this far to let them drown now. And it may look like everything's crashing and breaking around you. But know that with God, you're going to make it. So with every head bowed, every eye closed in here for just a moment. I believe that there are some of you here today who are experiencing tremendous storms. You're going through struggles, you're going through hardships, and you don't know how to make it out. But you heard God's word today. And you'd say, hey, pastor, I need, I'm going through a storm and I need prayer. 
for that storm. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and be willing to say, hey, I'm going through a storm right now. Hands all around the room, all around the room. What you need to know is that you're not alone. That there are people all over this room who are struggling, who are experiencing hardship. So what I want to do is I want to pray over you right now. Father, I pray right now that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard their heart and their minds in Christ. I pray that we would actually believe that you are faithful and able to take care of those things that we're struggling with. I pray you'd give us peace to know that we're not going to be rid of storms, but in the middle of it, we can find rest and refuge in you. That when your word says we're going over, there's no way we're going under. So Lord, let us be filled with peace today. And Father, for any person who said, hey, I'm struggling, I pray you'd give them the boldness and the courage to tell somebody about the storm they're going through, that we wouldn't navigate these storms alone. And I also believe that there are some people in here who don't have a relationship with Jesus. And here's what you need to know. If you're trying to navigate the storms of your life apart from Christ, you will drown. Because Scripture says that you and I are slaves to sin. We are in captivity. But when you allow God to step into the middle of your story as the author of it, I believe that he begins to pen something more beautiful than you could ever write on your own. I believe that when you trust God with your life, he not only blesses it, but he multiplies things in ways that you never thought were possible. And the most beneficial part of it all is that you and I no longer are responsible for the payment of sin because we've placed our hope in the fact that what Jesus did for us on the cross was enough for us to have access to God. So if you're in here and you say, hey, pastor, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Christ. I need to make him the Lord. I need to stop being the captain of my own ship, but I need to let God be the one who's dictating the course and the direction. Would you just say, hey, that's me real quick. Bold, bold declaration. Lift your hand for a moment. See those. Here's what we're going to do, church. No one's going to pray alone. We're all going to pray together. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, will you stand to your feet and celebrate those who just made decisions for Jesus this morning? Come on, you can get louder than that. Amen. We're going to continue in worship for a moment and sing a song called Worthy, Worthy. No matter how you feel today, know this, you can worship. Because worship is not about how you feel, it's about who God is. Let's sing this out.